Hello everyone, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been made to watch that. I am your one only host, Monica. Thank you so much for returning. I'm so happy you're here listening. Hi. Now, today was a rough day because I was for real trying to figure out what to talk about. For those of you who are new to this podcast, this podcast is a place where I talk about movies and TV shows that I've been meaning to watch because I'm someone who is always late to the party. I never watch things when they first come out. I just kind of wait till other people watch it. And then I, after a while, I'm like, okay, now I'll watch it. So oftentimes I will review things that have been out on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime for a long while. And you probably already watched it and you're just like looking at like, why is she talking about it just now? Cause like, don't judge me. All right, let me live, you know? But today I am going to talk about um, this documentary on Netflix called American Murder, The Family Next Door. And I was going to talk about a different um, thing today. I was actually going to talk about a movie by D. Reese called The Last Thing He Wanted. But I was more interested in talking about this one because I had watched this with a friend like over FaceTime. And I have been getting really into true crime now. If you subscribe to my YouTube channel, which you should, uh, my YouTube channel under my name, M-A-N-I-K-A, please go subscribe and turn on the post notification bell, you know, but um, I have been getting into true crime a lot lately and I used to not be into true crime because true crime is very scary. Just like, let's just be honest, you know, you're learning about cases about real people and how these things have happened to them and how they've died and it's different from like watching shows like law and order svu because those shows are fake and like yes they are ultimately propaganda but those shows aren't real and it's just easy to watch those shows and just like get lost in the story of it all you know shows like law and order or like bones or like ncis you can watch that show at any point in any season and just like turn your brain off for a little bit and watch these investigators try to figure out the crime and the motive and who's the killer and all that stuff. But when it's true crime, it's something different because these are real people in their real lives. And oftentimes I like don't want to get into true crime because I kind of feel like I'm intruding. Because a lot of times when you're learning about cases of true crime, not all the information is there. And a lot of time you have to take the killer's word for it. And like, why would you trust the killer? You know, they're a killer. And you don't get the full story because sometimes people who are murderers are also like deceivers and like professional, not professional liars, but they're just like, you know, they lie a lot, you know. And one thing about this um, documentary is that it focuses on someone who is a liar. And one thing about true crime ultimately is that you don't always get the full story of what happened, like the full scope. Like you can go off of maybe like DNA evidence, but even that can be included. What? Inclusive? Inclusive? Not inclusive. In con what? Inconclusive? I don't know. Sometimes DNA evidence isn't enough evidence. You know what I mean? And you can go off polygraph tests, but sometimes neuroscience science isn't something you should base your whole case off of. But today we're going to talk about Chris Watts and there's no doubt that this man killed his wife. Like there's no doubt about it. And the documentary film American Murder, The Family Next Door. It is centered on the Chris Watts case. I like this documentary because a lot of the information, like the videos, the text messages, they are acquired by personal friends of Shannon. 
and they're also acquired by um family members and i like it when family members are a lot more involved in certain documentaries like if you're making a documentary about someone who died and the victim's family like okays the film then i know that the film was made in good taste and i know that it is serves the purpose of telling the story of the victims and not the story of the killers because i think a lot of times people focus way too much on the murderers you know like people focus way too much on like getting the killer's perspective and learning about their psychology and stuff and i don't like that you know i'm not interested in one i'm not interested in psychology of someone who's like killed their wife and like why they did it in the motive behind it like you killed your wife like i don't have any sympathy for you i don't care i really don't like it when like abc or like nbc they interview people who are on trial for like murdering people or like when they interview like serial killers because i don't feel like that serves any purpose and i feel like that's a slap in the face of the victim's families because why would i care about what this person has to say they're always gonna lie and be like oh i didn't kill them like you probably did and you're just like getting a high off of lying to all of us on national television but we're not going to talk about my problems with true crime today we're going to talk about american murder the family next door and the one thing i do like about this film is that it focuses a lot more on shannon shannon i don't know her name is spelled weird it's spelled s-h-a-n-a-n-n and i think that like i can just call her shannon and it'll be fine but this um documentary it focuses on it focuses a lot on like shannon and her relationship with her kids and it does focus on chris but you notice that a lot of documentaries focus way too much on chris and like his motivation behind it all and you know i don't really care about chris and why he did what he did another thing is that this documentary is like pretty good if you already know about the chris watts case like if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know about the chris watts case i will break it down for you i have my notes in front of me i'll tell you like a good timeline of Chris Watts relationship with Shannon and the film doesn't really serve as a full um a full course meal of describing to you what the case is about you know it's just kind of like a starter meal a little bit you do have to go outside of this documentary to learn like a lot more about them and like what was going on in their relationship there's also a 2000 page discovery document online from the court system that shows like search history text messages um it shows uh what else does this show it shows like interviews that they did regarding everyone in the case and stuff like that i think it includes the polygraph results but honestly if you want to watch the polygraph the full videos are on jcs psychology in like three different parts and i recommend you guys watch those videos after you listen to this podcast please because those videos are so interesting and it's a great breakdown of like his body language and chris watts and his history and blah 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 all that stuff because chris watts chris is such a terrible liar and he's just like a terrible cold-blooded person and a lot of uh family members and friends describe him as someone who's just an introvert he's very quiet you know he's very removed from stuff and he's not very sociable but when you watch different interviews and you watch like the the investigation interviews that they um that the videos when you watch the police investigations or more the fbi investigations because the fbi was barring on this case when you watch the um 
interrogation videos, he's just so cold, you know? Like, it's fine to be introverted. Like, I'm very introverted. I'm very quiet. But I'm not a cold person who seems disconnected from people. You know what I mean? But enough talking. Let's get into the Chris Watts case. This feels a lot more like a true crime podcast than a movie review podcast. But honestly, like, the film, it's pretty good. It's pretty great. This podcast isn't really going to serve as a review for the um, movie Although it should, because this is a TV and movie review podcast. But I just want to dive into and delve into the Chris Watts family, the Chris Watts, um, Chris Watts relationship with Shannon and all that stuff. So let's get into it. So Chris Watts, he dated Shannon for two years and they got married in 2012. In 2013, they moved to Colorado for a job opportunity. And in December of that year, they had... Bella, their first daughter. In January 2015, he started working for a new company. And also in 2015, they declared bankruptcy. And that's one thing I never really see in discussions of the Chris Watts case. Also, I didn't see any mention of this in the documentary, but excuse me, financial problems are always a big factor into whether or not uh, like financial problems are a really big thing in murder investigations and I think people should really like focus on those things a bit more because 2015 they declared bankruptcy and they were $70,000 in debt at the time of the murder which I feel like is significant not as much as not as significant as the other things I'm going to talk about but I feel like that still should have been brought up in the documentary that's one thing about the documentary it's very good like it's a great documentary I like it a lot I think it's very interesting I think the way that um they formatted it and they tell the story along with like text messages like real text messages from Shannon and her friends and videos from her Facebook and you know police body cam footage and footage from the uh, FBI interrogations I feel like all of those things paired together in the documentary really work well to give you like a really good synopsis of what happened and like a really good way to like draw you into the story and like it the the documentary very much starts in a neutral position at first but near the end you really do see that like oh, okay this is this is the facts these are the facts of the matter but all the information I'm about to give you is from a Bailey Siren video I saw a while ago. Bailey Siren, she is also like a true crime YouTuber. She does like murder makeup Mondays and she's really cool. Like you guys should so go subscribe to her. She's really funny. I like her a lot. So let's continue. So July 2015, they have their daughter Celeste and Shannon, she leaves her job at a children's hospital to become a stay at home mom. And she starts selling like um, MLM stuff, which I think is like mid-level marketing kind of stuff like Mary Care Avon. I don't think it was Mary Care Avon. It was this company called Lavelle, but I've never heard of that before. But basically she did that um, MLM stuff and she would go on her Facebook and she would talk about new products and she'd also talk about her life on Facebook. And a lot of people who got interested in the case said that Shannon seemed like really fake and that she posted too much on online, like she posted too much on Facebook. But that's what a lot of moms do. Like they post their life on Facebook, they post videos. And also if you work for an MLM, you kind of have to go on social media and like promote your stuff. Cause that 
gets the that's like a way it's a way of marketing you know sometimes mlms require their um employees the people who do the mlm stuff they require them to like go on facebook live or instagram live and talk about the products and how good the products are and of course she would talk about her life on facebook because that's what everybody does people go on social media and they talk about their lives like it's not a crime she's just like acting like a mom you know so one thing one video that i found like really interesting of course Shannon, she went on Facebook Live with a pregnancy test to announce that she was, you know, pregnant. And she went on Facebook Live basically, and she like basically like did a live reveal of her being pregnant to Chris. And when you watch the Facebook Live and Chris finds out that Shannon is pregnant, it's really unsettling because he doesn't seem excited. He's just like, oh, you're pregnant? Oh, that's cool. He acts like she just told him that like she bought steak for him to make for a dinner. He's like, oh, cool steak. I like that. Like it doesn't seem very important to him because like he a new child is about to come into his life. And like as a father, as someone who seems like a doting father, because neighbors and friends have said that Chris is very involved in the girl's life and he loves spending time with the girls and loves playing around with them. And he seems like a very involved father as someone who puts out that image you would you would think that he would be a little more excited about having a new child but he doesn't seem that like invested in it in the video and it's really strange so july not july june um 27th i think this is 2018 shannon shannon she goes on a six-week vacation it's just her and the girls and around that time i think maybe before or like in that six-week period Chris starts an affair with a girl named Nicole Kissinger. Kissinger? I think it's Kissinger. And like, blah, blah, blah. So lame. He started an affair. Oh, so original. But yeah, he starts the affair. And July 14th, Chris tells Shannon that he doesn't want to be together anymore. And he doesn't want the baby. And he doesn't want to do counseling like Shannon suggested. She talks about how like they can fix things, how things can be different. And like, Chris doesn't care. He wants a divorce. He wants to be free or whatever and before this he wasn't texting her as often and this is shown in the documentary like one thing i really do love about the documentary is that it shows like there there isn't narration in the documentary there aren't these over dramatic interviews or stuff like that it shows you body cam footage it shows you police interrogation footage it shows you the facts and what is there right in front of you it doesn't try and like spice things up it doesn't try and make things too deep or over dramatic or just like like it doesn't make it into um something that is a movie like this is a documentary like it is showing you what's going on it shows you what it is it's it feels very bare bones in a way but it's very like sometimes when i'm i was watching this documentary i kind of felt like i was invading the privacy of shannon but I'm also reminded that like the family and friends of Shannon like they okayed this documentary they're like good with this film like they're happy with this film being made because there was a Lifetime movie made about this case as well and the family was like they were against it like they did not like the Lifetime movie they were totally against it they hated it they didn't even know that was in production but the fact that like there are family and friends who were kind of involved in this documentary and that they provided private messages along with like 
access to some of Shannon's videos on her Facebook. I don't know if her Facebook page is still up. I would assume that they took it down at some point because I think that the family was getting harassment from people who were like getting really invested in the case and getting invested in like conspiracy theories. I'm sure that at some point they took the Facebook page down so that there wouldn't be any more hate comments on like Shannon's past videos. So the fact that they gave um, access to Shannon's Facebook page to the document to the person who made the documentary I think that's great you know and in a text there are text messages that are shown in the documentary it reveals that um Shannon had been talking to her friends and telling them that Chris doesn't hug her anymore he doesn't seem interested anymore he just seems removed and like he's not invested in the relationship anymore and that does happen and um when men are having affairs like sometimes when a man is having an affair and he's just in it for the sex he will overcompensate with his wife so that she doesn't notice that he's stepping out on her but if a man is having an affair and he hates his wife he'll just act like he's done with the relationship like he's completely over the marriage like he doesn't even bother to put on an act anymore he's just completely removed and i got some analysis from um a youtube channel not youtube what did i say youtube channel yeah from this channel dr todd grande he is a youtuber i think he's a psychologist as well i love his channel i love watching his videos and i watched a few videos of him talking about chris watts and he did this analysis that's not a diagnosis but just an analysis on chris and it seemed that chris was very submissive in the relationship and you know, that happens in relationships, like someone has to be in charge. I know that people talk about how like there's a 50-50 split in relationships, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And, you know, <clears throat> sorry, gosh, my throat is, my voice is going. But sometimes, you know, um, someone has to be in charge. Someone has to wear the pants in the relationship. And it's Shannon. And I think that like, we used to also look at Shannon, like Shannon, she seems like a nice person, like from her Facebook you can see that she's pretty successful with her MLM stuff she posts a lot of videos of her daughters posts a lot of videos of Chris playing with the kids she also got Alexis because she was just that good at the MLM stuff and she got invited to like a lot of uh, business trips regarding the MLM stuff that she did which is really cool and also if you just look at their Facebook page like if you just look at Shannon's social media it seems like the couple is well traveled that Chris is just a loving doting father who takes care of his kids and that's another problem with these cases is that like the image on the outside makes it just seem like the family next door like they have um Chris has this really nice job uh Shannon she can just like be a stay-at-home mom and make money at home she drives a Lexus you know uh they spend a lot of time together they live in this very nice house in this very nice neighborhood and it doesn't seem like they have money problems you wouldn't even think that they were seventy thousand dollars in debt but they are you would even think that they declared bankruptcy in 2015 but they did and that's the thing with like <clears throat> outside images of this case is that on the outside they seem all in love and like together and like bonded and stuff like that like their relationship is so beautiful and so perfect but it's not like that on the inside and a lot of times with um cases where the husband kills the wife there's a history of like domestic violence or like sexual abuse there isn't any of that revealed in the chris watts case but there is it is a common 
denominator in a lot of other cases where like the husband kills a wife another thing about this case that like i have a problem with i know i keep going off track and i keep deterring from telling all the timeline i know let me make my point okay one thing i don't like about this case i guess is not my problem it's not it's not a problem i have with the case but a problem i have with people who see the case is that there are so many people who just think that chris isn't a killer you know they look at him they see a normal everyday guy that you could work with or they can hang out with or that your neighbors with and you can't wrap your head around the fact that he took his wife's life that he killed his wife like it's unimaginable to you but it happened and it is possible and it makes you think about how like i think people relate to chris so much that it makes them look inside themselves and examine their own like destructive potential like it makes them come up with these conspiracy theories because you know these cases they don't always like give you every single fact every single bullet point because a lot of it you have to go by chris's word and as you will learn if i get back to the timeline chris is a liar he's a deceiver and um you know dna evidence can only tell you so much you know and when there is a void of information conspiracy theories fill up where the knowledge could be and so <clears throat> sorry i'm sorry let me drink some water real quick so the family just seems happy on the outside but the uncertainty the uncertainty of it all is troubling and tragic so let's get back to the timeline so chris tells shannon that he doesn't want counseling he wants to leave he doesn't want the baby and that's that really sucks because like months earlier he did tell shannon that he wanted another child so i think maybe that's reflective of him getting into an affair and the infidelity because one thing about like having an affair is that people now i got this from dr todd grande this is from his analysis people feel that an affair brings upon this kind of like imaginative freedom it brings upon this joy that you don't feel in the current relationship that you're in and this joy makes you imagine what would happen if you left the relationship that wasn't making you happy and go towards a relationship that was bringing you joy and that it's a new sense of freedom and that you will do anything to achieve that freedom but that's that's still not an excuse you know what i mean so july 31st he goes to north carolina to pick up the girls and during this whole time like i really like i was watching the documentary and i do like the fact that this documentary put emphasis on the fact that chris was like just chilling at home while his wife and daughter were away for six weeks like he doesn't call her to check up on her and also shannon she's pregnant while she's in north carolina and um shannon like says that he doesn't call her or text her a lot and he doesn't like he doesn't call her or text her all that much and also i think that while they were away he definitely went to meet up with nicole a few times and the thing is that he used the credit card that they have on their joint account like one thing if you're gonna have an affair pay with cash like are you stupid are you dumb you're obviously dumb you're obviously dumb because shannon saw the transactions on the account and that just gave her confirmation of it all and also while um shannon was away for six weeks and chris and nicole were uh, knocking boots they brought up nicole's search history 
And I think that at one point she searched up wedding dresses and marrying your mistress. But I think that was in August, not in July. Excuse me. But that's still mad sketch. Like, wow. So obviously Chris told Nicole that he's thinking of like leaving his wife, separating from her. So Nicole knows that he's married. And she really did think that he would leave his wife. But girl, let's get real, okay? So they come back to Colorado, right? And Chris doesn't hug her anymore. Chris doesn't show Shannon any affection. And Shannon tells her friends that she doesn't want to be a single mother. She can't support two girls and a young boy. She can't do it on her own. She wants to be with Chris. She wants things to work out. And it also shows in the 2000 page discovery from the case that at some point Shannon had bought a book about marriage counseling and she planned on giving it to Chris for him to read because he didn't want to go to therapy. He didn't want to talk about the problems. And it shows like in the, I think the 2000 page discovery should have been put into the documentary because there is a lot, I think the documentary is a good way of like giving you like a simple English synopsis, you know, but it doesn't show you all the, all the key factors in the case. You know what I mean? Anyways, August 10th, he lied about going to a baseball game to his neighbor. He asked the neighbor to watch his kids. Instead, he goes out with Nicole. And um, then we move on to, I think it's August, uh, let's see here, August 13th, 2018 in Frederick, Colorado. The day, I think in the middle of the night at like 1 a.m. before August 13th. So I think maybe around like, August 11th or whatever, um, Shannon had went on a trip with her friends. Now she does have a friend named Nicole. Nicole is the good Nicole. I'm going to refer to the mistress as Nicole K and the other one as like Nicole G as in good friend. Cause I don't remember Shannon Nicole's friend's last name, but basically Shannon and Nicole, they went on this business trip and Shannon, she was like sad. She was sick cause she's pregnant. And Chris doesn't call to check up on her or anything, which is so gross. And like, gosh, so terrible. So, um, Nicole dropped Shannon off at her house after they flew home from the trip. And from then on, people don't really know what happened. Like we don't really know the timeline of the murders and everything like that. And we can only assume the main thing that we have to go off of is um security footage from a neighbor's garage or something like that where it shows a very grainy video recording of chris putting three bags in his truck and that's unsettling so august 13th i think it is nicole g she goes to call shannon and check up on her because she knows that Shannon has a doctor's appointment. She knows that Shannon was sick. She knows that Shannon wasn't feeling well. And she just wants to check up on her friend. So she calls to check up on Shannon. And Shannon doesn't answer the phone. She goes to Shannon's house to see what's going on. And the um, the Watts family, they have like, they have like, you know, security cameras on their property. And if you try to open their door, you know, it'll send an alert to someone's ha someone's phone through the security app, obviously, to show you that, like, hey, someone's trying to get in your house or whatever. And so Chris gets that notification and Nicole calls Chris because Nicole knows that Chris got the notification 
and she's like so where's shannon and he's like oh blah 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 lie 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 right nicole looks into the garage the lexus is still there with the car seats because i think chris said that like that shannon went on a play date but does it make sense that shannon went on a play date without her car that has the car seats in it you know what i mean and the door is locked from the inside which means that no one left through the front door so that's a problem too and then chris tells her to leave and she and then nicole is like no and then nicole finds out that shannon didn't go to her doctor's appointment so all that stacked together sus it's, it's suspicious to say the least and you know nicole she calls the cops for a welfare check and chris says don't call the cops i'm on my way uh chris gets there the cops are there um he lets them in through the garage and um excuse me <sighs> so basically they go inside they're looking over the whole house and nicole remarks that shannon loves to keep her house very clean and organized and the house does not look clean and organized there are bed sheets missing from the master bedroom and the kids room shannon's phone is still there which is ridiculous because like how do you leave without your phone like how do you leave somewhere without your phone and honestly if i was someone who didn't know chris watts and i learned that like okay a mother and two children are missing the bed sheets from the master bedroom are gone two bed sheets from the kids room are gone the mother's car is still there the mother's phone is still at the house and the father mysteriously shows up after being gone all night i would automatically expect the father like automatically and that's the thing in these cases everybody always suspects the dad or the husband and they always suspect an, an affair you know and that's what usually happens in these cases like usually um cases with domestic violence or like usually cases where like the mom the wife dies the husband does it you know like three women are killed by their ex or their partner every single day in america so it's like it's a step-by-step -step process you know what i mean and one thing i really do like is the fact that the documentary shows the police interrogations and you can watch them in full on youtube it's so it's so much better to watch them in full because first of all chris watts is a terrible liar he talks too much he never cries he doesn't show any emotion he doesn't show any sense of urgency he doesn't show that he's sad or that he's worried or he's scared because his wife and two daughters are missing he doesn't show like any kind of emotion at all he seems detached like he doesn't care and there's also an interview that he did with the local news network where they come in and like they were like interviewing him and asking him like you know do you know where your wife and daughter are and he's like no i don't but he doesn't seem to like actually care about what's going on he doesn't seem to actually like worry about it and the thing is is that like nicole nicole g who is shannon's friend she's crying she's freaking out she's worried she's stressed like she is showing so much emotion like she's genuinely scared for her friend and those two girls and chris couldn't care any less about what's going on one thing i do like about this um documentary as well is like there's no narration i don't need someone talking in my ear about what's going on in the film if you can show me what's going on in the film and show me the people in the videos and interrogations and all that stuff i don't need anybody breaking stuff down for me because i can think for myself the one thing about this documentary is that it relies on the viewer to be intelligent enough to connect the dots and of course when you start watching the documentary you already start assuming chris but as the documentary unfolds it shows like the brutality behind the crime 
and like the coldness behind everything and that's what I really do like about this documentary it's because it shows like first-hand footage of it all and <clears throat> it's very sad examining all the terrible events that happened around Shannon's disappearance Dis disappearance what Shannon's disappearance and death it's very sad and it's haunting and I'm glad that the documentary is less sensationalized and it's just like a clear-cut um story that reveals everything to you and you know I think that it does a really good job of just like constructing a narrative out of things that happen you know Jenny Popplewell she is the she's a British filmmaker and she's the person who made this documentary she did a really great job I think she did a really awesome job with this movie I think it's very interesting I really do think that people should watch this documentary but also like take the time to learn a little bit more about like the whole case in general and I think that people there are people out there who are like very invested in true crime to the point where like they try and build a narrative outside of the case that's not related to the case at all and there are people who don't like true crime at all because they think it's stupid or they think like they think that it's really weird to try and like look into the unraveling of someone's seemingly happy marriage and like look into the very like gruesome and very sad death and I know that there are people who think that like documentaries like this are I don't know stupid or something like that like they're not interested in it they feel like it's a waste of time but I do think you should watch these things especially if you're someone who looks for monogamy in relationships like like seriously like these like these cases are a lot more common than people realize and the thing is is that like Chris had no reason to kill his wife you know a lot of people suspect Shannon of, as being a bully and being a bossy but I feel like one case that the documentary brought that I haven't heard in any other uh, examination of this case was when Shannon was in North Carolina right and she's throwing this birthday party for her kids I believe and that's weird like Chris wasn't there for his kids birthdays I don't think he was which is like unsettling or maybe he was I don't really remember but um basically Chris's mother gave wanted the girls ice cream but the little girl was allergic to something in the ice cream so Shannon lashed out at the mom because you know if the little girl ate that ice cream she would have like been really she would have a really bad allergic reaction and for the young girl being like I think the kids were like four or like two at the time if someone so young has an allergic reaction that can really like harm them you know and the thing is is that the mother didn't know that the little girl was allergic to the ingredient in the ice cream because Chris didn't tell the the mom like Chris didn't say anything that's one thing about Chris like he's so submissive but at the same time this guy has no backbone really and of course like you have to tell your parents that you can't feed certain things to your kids but I think that Chris isn't someone who likes to like be in charge I guess or doesn't like to tell people what to do or does it want to seem like assertive like he's not really like he isn't really assertive in a way and the thing is is that like with this murder it's very strange because Chris seems like a very quiet guy who's very kind and like loving to his children but also 
the way he killed his wife is so aggressive it seems like the one time he actually becomes assertive and telling his wife that he doesn't want to be with her anymore he strangles her to death and he lashed out of control because he's not used to being in charge now that's not a reason for killing your wife but i feel like in chris not showing his parent and chris not telling his parents about his daughter's allergies it shows how he wants to stay out of conflict he doesn't want to tell people what to do he's very like laissez-faire he's very much like a go through the motions kind of guy and one thing about um one thing about sorry one thing about shannon is that she'll tell you what to do like she's in charge she's a boss you know and that's probably how she got to make so much money in her mom and then she got her lexus so there were people who were like invested in the case and trying to paint shannon as a stifling wife who um was just like a b-word to chris and just like too bossy and overbearing and like he just lashed out because he had to be free like that's not an excuse to kill your wife and then kill your daughters as well you know it's one thing to kill your wife like that's something that's common but to kill the children as well is something that's very rare and it's kind of painted as like maybe chris wanted to be free of the relationship of course because the thing about marriage is that like when you marry someone you also get to know their family as well you get to know them and chris's family didn't like shannon and I don't really know why because Shannon seemed like a really lovely woman. She seemed like a really nice wife. And one thing is that like when you get divorced, like it does like wreak havoc on the personal relationships that you have with other people. Like you may have friends that are couples. And so now that you've gotten a divorce, now it's like, oh no, now we can't be friends with these couples anymore because they know that we got divorced because they know that like we're not together anymore. And like that'll hurt the image that you have painted in these people's minds you know and divorce is hard and it's very difficult but the solution to that is not murder you know what i mean and it seems that like even if the murder of his wife was something that was in the heat of the moment if that were true he would have stopped at the wife you know but he takes his children to a secondary location and smothers them supposedly from like the 2000 page discovery um document that was used in the case that seems like the case but it may it may not be you know i kind of think that he may like it's he says that in his confession that he strangled his wife and then the daughter walked in and he put the wife in the truck and he brought the two daughters to the site and he smothers his daughters but here's the thing there's a polygraph test right definitely go watch the polygraph test it is so interesting because he lies he just lies throughout the whole thing you know he's lying to the investigator he's lying to the fbi and they're like what if you take a polygraph test and he's like oh sure and like why would you say yes to a polygraph test if you're you know you're lying if you know you did it another thing is that like chris never asked for a lawyer he never asked for a lawyer that's one thing if you're guilty you should ask for a lawyer don't talk to cops don't talk to them don't do that why would you do that even if you're innocent don't talk to the cops get a lawyer like you have the right to remain silent you have the right to remain silent man okay everything can and will be used against you in a court of law you have a right to attorney if you do not have an attorney one will be provided for you like come on let's be real we all know these words we know our miranda rights all right the bill of rights human rights you know what i'm saying 
I don't even know what I'm saying, but we all understand, you know, and this really gruesome story, it, it kind of inspires like primetime news specials and crime, true crime obsessions and like true crime enthusiasts. I am a baby true crime enthusiast. I'm not really like that much into true, true crime, but I'm really getting into it. If you do like true crime like a lot, you should check out um Big Boss Bose and her Twitch streams. She streams she streams every Monday night. She's amazing. I love her so much. You know, these kind of cases are just so gruesome and sad, but common. And I think that's one thing we need to realize. Like these things are common. These things happen to people. Like, people die. People are murdered by the ones that they love. Why? Maybe for selfish reasons. You know, Chris may have killed his wife for um, the chance to marry his mistress. To escape. To be free. Because he felt like the only way he could really be free from the marriage that he did not want to be with anymore. did To be free from the marriage he didn't want to be in anymore. He felt like the only way to do that was to kill his wife. I don't know why you would jump from zero to 100 so quickly, but that's you, my guy. That's not me. I'll tell you that right now. So he, um, anyways, he's serving like three life sentences, uh, multiple counts of first degree as part of a plea deal when the death penalty was removed from sentencing. He was sentenced to five life sentences without the possibility of parole, three to be served consecutively and two to be served concurrently. And one thing that I found really weird about this whole case, like, he lies throughout the whole polygraph test. They simply tell him, like, you're a liar. We know you're not telling the truth. Like, be real. Be upfront with us. Like, tell us what's going on. And he asked for his dad. I wanted to bang my head against the wall. Why do you want to talk to your father? Like, what's the point? What's the point of talking to your dad? But he asked to talk to his dad. His dad comes in the room and he lies and he says that Shannon killed the girls and that he killed Shannon out of rage and if you look at their Facebook page even though social media can seem like a farce and even though people use social media as a way to um put on this fake display of like a perfect life and create this false image to other people even though like this film does a really great uh way of showing the deception of social media and how it can be crafted as a way to hide what's really going on behind the scenes. If you do look at her social media page, Shannon is invested in her children. She loves her girls. She takes care of her girls. She spends time with her girls. She becomes a stay-at-home mom and she goes off to North Carolina for six weeks to be with her children, to spend time with them. And, you know, I'm sure Shannon didn't mean to, like, lash out at her mother-in-law like that. But she straight up tells her mother-in-law, like, do not give this ice cream to my children. Do not give this to my daughter. She's allergic to this. This will hurt her. And even though she does it out of, like, curiosity, it may seem like she was aggressive in that time. And even though that upset it, that made, um, even though that made Chris's, uh, that made Chris's mother upset, that's what you gotta do sometimes you know and for Chris to not even care enough to tell his parents that his daughters are allergic to something that could hurt them because they're little babies it shows that he doesn't really care about the kids as much as it seems that he doesn't love his kids as much that he doesn't show affection to his kids as much as he doesn't value the children's life and even though sometimes people make jokes about like 
allergies like oh my gosh if I have a peanut allergy I'm gonna die oh and people make jokes about it like when you're under five years old and you're allergic to something you shouldn't eat it because it really can wreak havoc on your body and for Shannon to like have the care and the passion to get in not to get in the mom's face but to tell the mom like don't feed this to my child this will hurt her the mother didn't know because Chris didn't tell her it was Chris's job to tell the mom you just tell your mom hey my kids are allergic to this don't give this to them it shows you care like it's the minimum it's a bare minimum <sighs> and he could even do that so i'm really glad that the documentary showed that um situation because i had no idea that happened and i feel like that's a really good case i feel like it's a really good example of showing like chris just being completely checked out as being a father and being checked out as being a husband because even though like you may hug your kids or you may throw them up in the air and play games with them do you really love your kids do you really hold their best interest in your heart or are they an inconvenience to you because that's another thing right if it was a heat of a moment it, if he killed his wife in the heat of the moment he wouldn't have he was stopped at his wife but it shows that his kids were inconvenient to him that his kids would have tied him to shannon still that his kids would have sh tied him to some kind of responsibility you know and he didn't want that in his life he wanted to be free he wanted to hang out with nicole and go hiking and have you know just like be chill with her or whatever so maybe you could make the case that um shannon's murder was an accident but the children's murders were pre premeditated obviously you know yeah I mean, that's all I have to say about this. I do think you guys should definitely check out the documentary. It's called American Murder, The Family Next Door. It's very good. It's very interesting. Um, Chris Watts sucks. And I also found that there are women that write letters to Chris Watts in prison, which is so gross. Like, don't write letters to a mass to a murderer. Don't do that. Please, like, have some self-respect. Jesus Christ. Like, come on now. That's basically it. That's all I wanted to say. Uh, please go check out American Murder, um, The Family Next Door on Netflix. And feel free to like watch more stuff about um, the case online on YouTube. It's very good. It's very interesting. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. I truly do appreciate it. If you enjoyed this pod, um, please feel free to follow on Spotify or an Apple podcast. And also feel free to share this pod with, you know, your friends, your family, your loved ones, what, what have you. And uh, don't feel, don't, don't hesitate to like leave a review. Um, just want to let you guys know, I'm going to start streaming on Twitch soon, which is going to be a little bit fun. We'll see how that goes. And I also have a Discord and that can be located in my link tree in the description. So thanks again for listening. My name is Monica. This has been I've Been Meaning to Watch That. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Stay blessed.